Listening to KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, Orange County's alternative radio station, and quite possibly the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. This is What Would Arwen Do on Tuesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Time, and streaming live on KUCI.org and through iTunes. KUCI is always broadcasting 24 hours a day, seven days a week, across Arda and through all the universe. Through our website and through iTunes, you can contact me, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf, at askanelf at yahoo.com. I would love to hear from you. And I hear so seldom, so please send me a little email. You can ask a question. Maybe I'll answer it on the air. You can maybe offer a suggestion. This is generally a bit of a politics-free zone. We like to keep things positive and helpful and harmonious here. But, uh, you know, we venture into different territory. You know, elves are concerned about the things of this planet. You can find podcasts and information about this show and all the public affairs programs on our website at KUCI.org or our public affairs website at KUCITalk.org. And in case you are tuning into the podcast, you will find certain parts of the show may be missing. So we do have to edit out any copyrighted material um, that's played, whether it be on uh, a bit of music or something from uh, the internet or from a CD. So um, I will give information about where you can listen to those, either get the CD or find the website or something. But um, you may notice that certain things will be edited out. We do that for podcast reasons. And if you are tuning in for the very first time, you may be wondering what this show is all about. And I'm not going to go into my long introduction today, as I usually like to do. Um, but I am going to say that this show is about... hmm celebrating life from the perspective of Middle Earth. And I've been living my grand, uh, first started out as a grand experiment, now it's been a grand adventure of life as an elf now for over 10 years, 10 years as of last March when I went to see Fellowship of the Ring. And it has changed my life on many levels. In fact, my adventure with Middle Earth is responsible for me coming here to KUCI and having a radio show and meeting some of the most amazing people that have enriched and blessed my life in so many ways. 
And in case you um, or just happen to discover KUCI, I hope you will check out our programming. We do not play any mainstream music here. We play music that you won't hear on the regular airwaves because we believe there's lots of great music out there that a lot of people aren't even aware of. Great new bands and groups are emerging all the time. And we like to share that music with you. And also our public affairs programming is not what you're going to hear on your regular PBS type of show. And... um, so please, uh, please check us out at KUCI.org, and you can certainly make a donation. We are all volunteers here, and so we welcome uh, donations of any type. You can do that through our website and find information about upcoming shows and bands that we'll be playing. We have bands that play live and ticket giveaways, and it's all right there on the magical web. So this is... Um, this is What Would Arwen Do? And this is where I ask, well, what would an elf do as things come up in life? And sometimes I have guests on, uh, guest interviews. In fact, next week I'm very excited to just give a, uh, let you know, a little tem- tempter. I'm going to be having on a local author. She lives in Laguna Beach, an amazing woman called Jennifer Horseman who wrote a book called Please Don't Eat the Animals. I discovered this book over at the Center for Living Peace, which is right across the street here from UCI. We do broadcast from the University of California at Irvine. And I want to say a very special greeting today to everyone who's coming on campus for... Uh, Former President Bill Clinton is here giving an address to students and a special event. So... If you're trying to get on campus or you're in the surrounding area and you're running into some traffic, it may be due to that. So please have patience and um, with each other as you're on the on the roads driving and trying to get around. But uh, Jennifer um, is going to be on the show next week. We are going to be talking about her book, um, Please Don't Eat the Animals, All the Reasons You Need to Be a Vegetarian, and talking about some alternatives for um, having a cruelty-free holiday and yet a joyful and delicious one and uh, ways that we can live in more harmony with our fellow creatures and of course everyone or at least most people I believe are aware that Prop 37 is coming up which has to do with the labeling of food that has been genetically modified and some people who tend to think that we don't necessarily have a right to know if our food has been genetically modified. So um, we'll be just discussing things about the nature of genetically modified food, whether it be plants or they're actually genetically engineering animals these days. And they end up as part of our food chain. So we'll be talking about lots of wonderful things to consider and take action on and enjoy for as we move into the holiday season. So Jennifer Horseman, and if you want to look her up, I believe her website, um, oh, you know, it, I thought it was right here on the cover of her book, and it's not, but um, you can Google her. It's Jennifer Horseman, H-O-R, H-O-R-S-M-A-N, and the book is Please Don't Eat the Animals. And um, I think you can get her website through that. It's published by Quill Driver Books. So anyway, she'll be on next week here with the Elf. And today is the 23rd, so that will be the day before... No, 
will that be the day before Halloween? It will be the day before Halloween. So, yes, October 30th. So welcome again. I want to say a very special shout out and hello to any of my friends who may be listening online or through the radio. Special hello to Jaime in case he's listening and to all my friends on theonering.com who may be listening from all over the planet, um, up in Washington, in the Midwest, on the East Coast, maybe even over in Poland, but... I love that the internet keeps us connected. So today I was going to do a show a little different, but as I, I like, I'm more an elf. I like things organic and in the moment. And as I was going through the checkout today at the, um, at the uh, market, I saw the cover of Newsweek and it said, heaven is real. A Doctor's Experience of the Afterlife. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Another scientist who is saying that there's some evidence of something after death. And my la- my la- the last time I really um, was aware that this had come greatly into the mainstream of our awareness was with a video that someone referred me to of Jill Bolte-Taylor, who is a neuroanatomist and brain brain scientist, who had a stroke in her uh, left brain. She's uh, And she shares a wonderful um, little testimony about that on TED TV, which we are going to be hearing right here on the show today in just a little while. And uh, she has a book called My Stroke of Insight. And I hadn't... It was... Um, recorded on TED TV in uh, February of 2008, and I think I found out about it um, sh- shortly after that or within the next year. And But I hadn't looked at it in a, a while. And when I looked, uh, w- went back to view it again today just to refresh my memory, I was amazed how uh, I remembered that every time I've seen this video, it it literally moves me to tears. And it's just so such a beautiful, beautiful story, and it's about 18 minutes long, and in a, just a little while, I will be sharing that with you, and that will be edited out of the podcast, but you can find it yourself by Googling Jill Bolte-Taylor. You can download or watch it through TED TV, uh, TED.com ideas worth sharing, or it's also up on Facebook as, uh, I believe the title is My Stroke of Insight. But first, I wanted to share with you, because I just was so interested to read this article, and I wanted to read a little bit from it for you, because you may want to pick it up, and apparently this doctor has a book coming out. The book is called Proof of Heaven, Um, and this article is excerpted from the forthcoming Proof of Heaven by Eben, Eben, E-B-E-N, Eben Alexander, M.D., to be published by Simon & Schuster, uh, copyright 2012. So it looks like it will be coming out uh, sometime this year, which is almost over. So it should be coming out any time. And I'm going to read a few little pieces from this that I think you will find uh, interesting. And then I'm going to play Jill's um, Jill's video for you. And just to give you something to kind of think about. We elves, 
know that there's something beyond just this physical experience. And I know a lot of people as, you know, Christians that believe or hope that there's something beyond this existence. And with regards to the theme of hope, that's quite a prevalent theme within the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. And we see, um, in fact, somebody counted, there's like, I don't know, a couple of hundred times that the word hope is used in The Lord of the Rings. And it's one of the things I love about the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, that it not only does he give us the such a beautiful picture of our archetypal journeys, the journeys of all of us as it, within our own adventure, within the larger context of the larger adventure that we're all in together. And um, so I love it when something like this comes along and kind of jars us a little bit because um, having worked with scientists and theologians before for quite a few years, uh, especially scientists, you know, they tend to be kind of the, well, give me the facts, you know, let me see the science behind it in a very kind of materialistic, um, not as, you know, that the the universe is material, you know, it's, you know, concrete, we want to see that we want to see the science. And um, but science can't explain everything. So this I'm going to read a little bit of excerpts from Dr. Eben Alexander's article here in Newsweek. And this is on the newsstands now. So you can actually go out and get this issue today. That's why I wanted to cover this today. So it would still be available for you. And it says uh, the article is called My Proof of Heaven. When a neurosurgeon found himself in a coma, he experienced things he never thought possible, a journey to the afterlife. So again, these are excerpts from this article. This is copyrighted material by Newsweek, so it will be edited out of the podcast, but you can find it at your local newsstand. And I'm Tani Tenuvial. This is KUCI in Irvine. So the article starts out with saying, As a neurosurgeon, I did not believe in the phenomenon of near-death experiences. I grew up in a scientific world, the son of a neurosurgeon. I followed my father's path and became an academic neurosurgeon, teaching at Harvard Medical School and other universities. I understand what happens to the brain when people are near death, and I had always believed there were good scientific explanations for the heavenly, out-of-body journeys described by those who narrowly escaped death. The brain is an astonishingly sophisticated but extremely delicate mechanism Mechanism. Reduce the amount of oxygen it receives by the smallest amount and it will react. It was no big surprise that people who had undergone severe trauma would return from their experiences with strange stories, but that didn't mean they had journeyed anywhere real. And uh, so he goes on to say, well, he says, although I considered myself a faithful Christian, I was no more, I was, I was so more in name than in actual belief. I didn't begrudge those who wanted to believe that Jesus was more than simply a good man who had suffered at the hands of the world. I sympathized deeply with those who wanted to believe that there was a God somewhere out there who loved us unconditionally. In fact, I envied such people the security that those beliefs no doubt provided. But as a scientist, I simply knew better than to believe them myself. He says, in the fall of 2008, however, after seven days in a coma, during which the human part of my brain, the neocortex, was inactivated. I experienced something so profound that it gave me a scientific reason to believe in consciousness after death. I know how pronouncements like mine sound to skeptics, so I will tell my story with the logic and language of the scientist I am. 
Very early one morning, four years ago, I awoke with an extremely intense headache. Within hours, my entire cortex, the part of the brain that controls thought and emotion, and that in essence makes us human, had shut down. And he tells a little bit, and we go down a little further in the article, he says, there is no scientific explanation for the fact. So it goes on to say that, that he uh, was in a coma. He was in a coma for seven days, and the doctors were considering kind of like, you know, shutting down the treatment, just, you know, pulling the plug. He says, there is no scientific explanation for the fact that while my body lay in coma, my mind, my conscious inner self, was alive and well. While the neurons of my cortex were stunned to complete inactivity by the bacteria that had attacked them, my brain free my brain free consciousness journeyed to another larger dimension of the universe, a dimension I'd never dreamed existed and which the old pre coma me would have been more than happy to explain was a simple impossibility. But that dimension, in rough outline, the same one described by countless subjects of near-death experiences and other mystical states, is there. It exists. And what I saw and learned there has placed me quite literally in a new world. A world we are, where we are much more than our brains and bodies, and where death is not the end of consciousness, but ra- rather a chapter in a vast and incalculably positive journey. He goes on to say, all the chief arguments against near-death experiences suggest that these experiences are the results of minimal, transient, or partial partial malfunctioning of the cortex. My near-death experience, however, took place not while my cortex was malfunctioning, but while it was simply off. This is clear from the severity and duration of my meningitis, and from the global cortical involvement documented by the CT scans and neurological examinations. According to medical understanding of the brain and mind, there is absolutely no way I could have experienced even a dim and limited consciousness during my time in the coma, much less the hyper-vivid and completely coherent odyssey I underwent. Mmm, pretty cool, huh? So, he goes on to say... um, Let's see. Oh, he begins to um, relate part of his experience. He says, I was in a place of clouds, big, puffy, pink-white ones that showed up sharply against the deep blue-black sky. Higher than the clouds, immeasurably higher, flocks of transparent, shimmering beings arced across the sky, leaving long, streamer-like lines behind them. Birds? Angels? These words registered later when I was writing down my recollections, but neither of those words do justice to the beings themselves, which were quite simply different from anything I have known on this planet. They were more advanced, higher forms. A sound, huge and booming like a glorious chant, came down from above, and I wondered if the winged beings were producing it. Again, Thinking about it later, it occurred to me that the joy of these creatures as they soared along was such that they had to make this noise, that if the joy didn't come out of them this way, then they would simply not believe, not otherwise be able to contain it. The sound was palpable and almost material, like a rain you can feel on your skin but doesn't get you wet. Seeing and hearing were not separate in this place where I now was. I could hear the visual beauty of the silvery bodies of those scintillating beings above, and I could see the surging sea, the surging joyful perfection of what they sang. 
It seemed that you could not look at or listen to anything in this world without becoming a part of it, without joining with it in some mysterious way. Again, from my present perspective, I would suggest that you couldn't look at anything in that world at all, for the word at itself implies a separation that did not exist there. Everything was distinct, yet everything was also part of everything else, like the rich and intermingled designs on a Persian carpet or a butterfly's wing. And uh, I'll read a little bit more about that um, a little bit later. Um, I want to play Jill Bolte-Taylor's video so you can see some of the similarities here and also the correlation because this is, of course, the um, what would Arwen do? And we very often visit the world of Middle Earth here. So I wanted to read to you from the creation story that J.R.R. Tolkien wrote for his mythology of Middle Earth. And it's always, to me, been one of my most favorite creation stories, one of the most beautiful pieces of literature I've ever found. And he talks about how the world was made through music that Iluvatar, who is God in J.R.R. Tolkien's mythology, and the Ainur, which were the angelic type of beings, created this music, and out of that the world was created. And I'll just read this one part here where it says, Then Iluvatar said to them, Of the theme that I have declared to you, I will now, I will now that ye make in harmony together a great music. And since I have kindled you with the flame imperishable, ye shall show forth your powers in adoring, adorning this theme, each with his own thoughts and devices, if he will. But I will sit and hearken, and be glad that through you great beauty has been wakened into song. Then the voices of the Ainur, like unto harps and lutes and pipes and trumpets and viols and organs, and like unto countless choirs singing with words, began to fashion the theme of Iluvatar to a great music. And a sound arose of endless interchanging melodies, woven in harmony that passed beyond hearing into the depths and into the heights. And the places of the dwelling of Iluvatar were filled to overflowing. And the music and the echo of the music went out into the void, and it was not void. So if you'd like to read the whole of that beautiful creation story uh, by J.R.R. Tolkien, it's in the beginning of The Silmarillion which was put together and edited by his son, Christopher Tolkien, that gives us the backstory of all of the wonderful things that we love and enjoy in the books of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. So now I'm going to switch a little bit. I'm going to play a little song for you from the Waylon Jennings, Glory Bound, and then we're going to hear from Jill Bolte-Taylor on her stroke of insight and her perspective. I have a couple of other books here today, I don't know if we'll be able to get to them that you might, if you're interested in, I mean, there are lots of books out there on afterlife uh, or on near-death experiences. Another one that I particularly love is by, um, it's called 90 Minutes in Heaven by Don Piper and A True Story of Life and Death. He is a, he's actually a pastor and an ordained minister. Um, and so... Yeah, his 90 minutes in heaven, and then he got sent back. <laughs> so this is KUCI in Irvine. I am Tani Tanuvia, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. We're talking about today about not so much about life and death, but about the expansion of our consciousness and whether or not this physical 
um, identity we have and this physical, wonderful life experience that we all have and share is all there is or whether there's something more to us than just that. So take a few moments, if you will, and enjoy a little song from the Waylon Jennings. And I'll be right back. This is KUCI in Irvine. Music of the Waylon Jennings, Glory Bound, from their CD, Firecracker. If you'd like to hear that and some of their other great music, I love those girls. Kind of bluegrass, country folk, and um, that is Glory Bound. So now we're going to hear from Jill Bolte-Taylor on her near-death experience. Again, we have another scientist. Jill Bolte-Taylor is a neuroanatomist. And, um, well, she'll share just kind of her journey of becoming a scientist and what happened to her as a, redo- as a result of this stroke that she had. And perhaps give you a little more to think about. If you are tuning into the podcast, you can find this uh, video through um, TED.com or through YouTube. On TED.com, it's Jill Pulte's Stroke of Insight. And on YouTube, I believe it's just called Stroke of Insight. And Jill also has a website, which is drjilltaylor.com. And I believe she, uh, she has all kinds of wonderful things up there. So this is Tani Genuviel. You are listening to KUCI in Irvine. And here is Jill Bolte-Taylor with an amazing story of one scientist's journey into expanded awareness. I grew up to study the brain because I have a brother who has been diagnosed with a brain disorder, schizophrenia. And as a sister and later as a scientist, I wanted to understand why is it that I can take my dreams, I can connect them to my reality, and I can make my dreams come true. What is it about my brother's brain and his schizophrenia that he cannot connect his dreams to a common and shared reality, so they instead become delusion. So I dedicated my career to research into the severe mental illnesses, and I moved from my home state of Indiana to Boston, where I was working in the lab of Dr. Francine Bennis in the Harvard Department of Psychiatry. And in the lab, we were asking the question, What are the biological differences between the brains of individuals who would be diagnosed as normal control as compared with the brains of individuals diagnosed with schizophrenia, schizoaffective, or bipolar disorder? 
So we were essentially mapping the microcircuitry of the brain, which cells are communicating with which cells, with which chemicals, and then in what quantities of those chemicals. So there was a lot of meaning in my life because I was performing this type of research during the day. But then in the evenings and, and on the weekends, I traveled as an advocate for NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. But on the morning of December 10, 1996, I woke up to discover that I had a brain disorder of my own. A blood vessel exploded in the left half of my brain. And in the course of four hours, I watched my brain completely deteriorate in its ability to process all information. On the morning of the hemorrhage, I could not walk, talk, read, write, or recall any of my life. I essentially became an infant in a woman's body. I believe that the more time we spend choosing to run the deep inner peace circuitry of our right hemispheres, the more peace we will project into the world, and the more peaceful our planet will be. And I thought that was an idea worth spreading. Thanks. And that is, in fact, Jill Bolte-Taylor, and that can be found on both YouTube and TED.com. Jill Bolte-Taylor, a neuroanatomist who had a stroke in her left brain, and she does have a book as well called My Stroke of Insight. Uh, in case you want to look that up, it's available through Amazon or maybe even at your local, I think it's actually probably available at the library. And about, uh, so it's amazing how in the times that we live that even scientists, <laughs> even scientists are beginning to have these interesting experiences where before people would say, oh, you know, that's just a mystical person or even uh, Don Piper who wrote um, 90 Minutes in Heaven, uh, you know, is an ordained minister. And some people would say, yeah, well, you know, yeah, I guess that could happen. But he was he was declared dead at the scene of the accident. He was brain, he was dead for 90 minutes. Now, of course, in his case, it wasn't like Jill Bolte-Taylor and uh, this article that's currently in the um, Newsweek with uh, Dr. Um, Eben Alexander, who are both scientists and while they were having their strokes, well, in, in actually, uh, Dr. Alexander didn't have a stroke. He um, contracted a bacterial infection. E. coli was literally eating his brain and shut down the left cortex of his brain. And uh, so there was no activity going on. With Jill Bolte-Taylor, she had a stroke in her left brain, so her left brain shut down. Um, but two scientists and who were rushed immediately to treatment and were carefully monitored. All that was going on in their brains was being carefully, carefully monitored while these events were going on. So, you know, are we just our human physical bodies? Hmm, I wonder. And is there, isn't there more to us than just what meets the eye? And even our conditioning and our thoughts and our patterns and all of that. Yeah. So I want to read a little bit more. There's some wonderful books out there. Um, also, Deepak Chopra, who's one of my favorite, favorite teachers and authors, um, has a book called Life After Death. This book, 90 Minutes in Heaven, uh, by Don Piper, be of special interest to uh, my Christian friends. And it uh, looks like this book by Dr. Eben Alexander will be coming out um, 
this article just came out this week. This is on the newsstands right now, uh, Newsweek. And the October October 15th issue. So you can currently get this. And then his book uh, should be out shortly. I'll be looking for it. And I want to read just another thing. So this article is excerpted and talking about the title of the article is Heaven is Real. And again, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, the copyrighted material of J.L. Bolte-Taylor will be edited out of the podcast. But you can find that through um, TED TV, TED.com, or YouTube. Just Google Jill Bolte, B-O-L-T-E, Taylor. Look for My Stroke of Insight. And uh, so uh, Dr. Alexander kind of ends with, I want to read a little thing here he says about, um, I've spent decades as a neurosurgeon at some of the most prestigious medical institutions in our country. I know that many of my peers hold, as I myself did, to the theory that the brain, and in particular the cortex, generates consciousness and that we live in a universe devoid of any kind of emotion, much less the conditional love that I now know God and the universe have toward us. But that belief, that that theory now lies broken at our feet. What happened to me destroyed it, and I intend to spend the rest of my life investigating the true nature of consciousness and making the fact that we are more, much more, than our physical brains as clear as I can, both to my fellow scientists and to people at large. He goes on to say, Today many believe that the living spiritual truths of religion have lost their power and that science, not faith, is the road to truth. Before my experience, I strongly suspected that this was the case myself. But now I understand that such a view is far too simple. The plain fact is that the materialist picture of the body and brain as the producers rather than the vehicles of human consciousness is doomed. In its place, a new view of mind and body will emerge, and in fact is emerging already. This view is scientific and spiritual in equal measure, and will value what the greatest scientists of history themselves have always valued above all, truth. I am Tani Tenuvio. You have been listening. Spending time with me here on What Would Arwen Do? This is KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM. And I do remind you that the views and opinions expressed here are the views of the Elf host and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of KUCI, UCI, or the UC Board of Regents. I will be back next week here on Tuesday at 4 p.m. And my very special guest will be Jennifer Horseman, the author of Please Don't Eat the Animals. And we will be talking about how to move into cruelty-free Uh, holidays and having some joyous time together. And of course, we have Prop 37 coming up, uh, which um, kind of tells us whether or not we have the right to know if our food, whether it be animal or vegetable, has been genetically modified. And um, yeah, just having some interesting conversations concerning our animal friends, as we all, as we elves are all concerned about the harmony on our planet, both of ourselves uh, with each other, but also with our uh, harmony with the earth, its creatures and plants, and um, we're all in this together. (laughs) I am Tani Tenuviel. If you would like to email me, I would love to hear from you. Please send me a message at askanelf, A-S-K-A-N-E-L-F, at yahoo.com. And please check out our programming at KUCI. We have amazing, amazing music here, everything from uh, jazz to 
Zydeco from um, classical to indie and electronic and uh, coming up at six o'clock one of my most favorite shows ever Heather will be here with Rachel Ray's Cooking Accident sure to be a stimulating two hours for you and next Wednesday I believe TNN will be uh, back with Funk Your Face a amazing soul music on uh, Tuesdays as well and our public affairs programming you can find out more about that at KUCITalk.org or KUCI.org so until next week I will say Alin Salalumen Nomentielvo A Star Shines on the Hour of Our Meeting and Marie. And I will leave you with a little song from the, um, well, let's hear some Hobbit music since the Hobbit movies are coming up in mid-December. And you can bet that the Hobbit, um, that, that the Hobbit and, I do miss the Hobbit, Milo Loam's down. But we will be watching, we will be seeing that midnight showing, hopefully, of the Hobbit movies. So until then. Uh, This is KUCI in Irvine. Please stay tuned for the um, Blue and Gold Report coming up in just a few moments. KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of the universe. (laughs) 